This is the Horse Talk Show Podcast with Louisa Barton. Joining us now from Peterson and Smith, we have Dr. Carol Clark. Good morning, Dr. Clark. Hi, Louisa. How are you? Welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Potomac horse fever this morning. Um, we've actually had some cases uh, just recently in Kentucky, so um, definitely a relevant topic to discuss this morning. Can you tell us a little bit about Potomac horse fever and exactly what it is, Dr. Clough? Sure. So Potomac horse fever is um, a, um, something that causes colitis, which is uh, manifested as diarrhea, fever, depression. Um, unfortunately, it can also, it has a bit of a more typical, um, uh, it can cause laminitis as a more typical thing rather than just regular diarrhea. A lot of times you don't see laminitis, but laminitis often goes hand in hand with Potomac horse fever. It can also cause abortion in pregnant mares. And, and so what actually causes it? So it's a, it's a type of bacteria uh, called uh, Neorichetsia um, ristici. I'm so and glad so you pronounced that because I had it in my notes and I was afraid to even try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it used to be known as um, Ehrlichia ristici, so some people may know it by that. But um, it's, um, so it, it's basically just a type of gram-negative bacteria, intracellular bacteria, but what happens is uh, it infects um, uh, freshwater snails and then aquatic insects that uh, consume uh, the, these, uh, what the sales, snails secrete become infected. So the horses actually become infected by uh, accidentally ingesting the, the insects. Uh, the good news for Florida horses is that this disease is not very common here at all. Um, in fact, it's not even typical for us to vaccinate our horses in Florida unless they're going to be spending time, say, in Kentucky or in the eastern, um, upper eastern part of the United States around the Potomac horse, around the Potomac River. Um, or out in California. I mean, there's certain pockets that have this problem, but Florida, although we have so many other wonderful diseases, <laughs> yeah, uh, Potomac horse fever is not very common at all in Florida. Wow. <laughs> yeah, we do make up for it though, don't we, doctor? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> um, for our, Especially for our listeners uh, around the country, because we do have listeners in a lot of other states, and actually even around the world, um, can we talk a little bit about the clinical signs and um, you talked a little bit about uh, about some of the uh, the colitis and things like that but any other symptoms to look out for well um, initially the horses are just going to be um, maybe off their feed uh, a little depressed they'll probably have fever um, and they may even act mildly colicky and then um, oftentimes their feet are already sore with laminitis at about the time they get diarrhea. So, um, so those are the more common clinical signs. Uh, like I said, mares um, can become infected and then they don't abort immediately, but um, generally uh, 60 to 90 days after they become infected, they uh, can abort. Wow, okay. Um, so it could be a lot more serious with a pregnant mare even. Um, yes. As far as um, diagnosing uh, Potomac horse fever, what, what, how do you do that? Um, so in endemic areas, um, just I think veterinarians are very in tune to these clinical signs 
and um, many times they start the treatment without a definitive diagnosis and the treatment is, is pretty easy it's oxytetracycline so that's a pretty known uh, and very effective treatment especially when started early in the clinical signs the diagnosis is made these days with um, PCR so basically a DNA, a DNA type testing of the manure and the blood so it's a very reliable testing, and, and it is recommended that both um, a blood sample and manure sample be submitted. Um, one good thing about this is that ill horses uh, that have Potomac horse fever are not uh, contagious to horses uh, in their immediate area. So they don't, it is not spread horse to horse. Mm. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's good to hear. That is very good. Yes. Yeah, so treatment, um, uh, it, uh, I'm sorry, what did you say you treat with? Oxytetracycline. Okay. Okay. All right. So, and and that course of of treatment is successful. Um, yeah, with it's most very horses. successful. This disease usually turns around quite quickly. Quickly, especially like I said, if it's given early within the first day or so of um, of clinical signs. Of clinical signs. So, uh, so pretty good prognosis and recovery for most horses, um, and and fairly rare to see a fatality. From, it from it the, is, you know, if the treatment is, is pursued, um, the probably the biggest concern is, is the degree of laminitis that they get um, or don't get. But, um, you know, if they get it, that, that can be more of a problem. Um, and again, if, you know, the earlier they are treated, the less that is a problem. And, um, you know, the, the actual fatality rate um, can be as low as 5% or as high as 30%. Um, you know, without treatment, I'm sure it's higher than that. Right. So it really boils down to getting your veterinarian uh, in as quickly as possible and, and beginning treatment as, as fast as you can. Um, as far as prevention goes, um, vaccines uh, given in some of these states where, where, you, where we see this disease. And, and do you recommend vaccinating in Florida? So I, I don't vaccinate my own horses here in Florida because I'm not taking them to endemic areas. And again, we have so little, I mean, I think in my almost 30 years of veterinary practice, I've diagnosed this in maybe two cases. Um, so it's really uncommon in Florida. So horses that are gonna stay in Florida, um, vaccination's not really recommended. The vaccination um, is certainly recommended in endemic areas. Um, this is a warm weather disease. It seems to happen in the summer and the fall. So um, the vaccination is recommended twice a year, but you certainly would want to do it, um, time your vaccinations you know, prior to the warmer months. Um, it's not the greatest of efficacies. Um, so whereas for, say, sleeping sickness or West Nile virus, we get really good efficacy, um, probably upwards of 90%. Um, the Potomac horse fever vaccine, you know, might be 40 to 50% effective, but it's better than nothing. And, and it certainly we think that some of these horses may not get as sick as they might otherwise without the vaccination. Hmm. So if nothing else, it definitely... Uh, you know, would help a certain percentage of them to maybe not become as sick, which, you know, then might not result yeah. in as bad a case of, of, of laminitis, which sounds like it might be, you know, a, a bigger concern even than, than the disease itself, um, which sounds like it's fairly treatable with, yeah. a, you know, with a quick visit from the vet and, uh, 
uh, so laminitis yeah, again, which is often our, our big concern with horses, no matter what. Uh, that seems yeah. to be the, you know, like the worst case scenario with so many things can be the end result of uh, so many problems with horses. And laminitis is always a really big concern because that certainly can be very serious. So, uh, so another so. thing on prevention that I wanted to mention is that in these endemic areas, like I mentioned, the way the horse gets it is by inadvertently um, eating some of these insects that are infected. And so it is thought that if you can decrease the exposure to those those insects um, by things like turning off lights at lights night at so they can attract yeah. those insects. Um, and what we're talking about are they're basically um, aquatic type of flies, so mayflies, caddisflies, um, even dragonflies. So um, things like that would be attracted to lights. And if you have lights on around your barn or uh, in the area that the horses would be at night, um, they may come and congregate around the lights and then die, and then the horse may accidentally eat them. That makes sense. So that's very, very good advice, actually, turning your barn lights off and doing what you can, insect control yeah. and doing what you can to keep keep the insects away from your horses. So very good advice. And no zoonotic risk with this disease is known, right? That is correct. So no possibility of, um, of humans uh, getting it from, from horses. So that's good news as well. Uh, Dr. Clark, I want to thank you very much for joining us this morning. Um, any last thing that you want to add? Well, it's a pleasure, and I just want to remind when we talk about vaccinations, um, probably the most important vaccinations we can do for our horses in Florida are for the sleeping sickness, eastern and western equine encephalitis, and west Nile virus. So yeah. don't forget to do that. Yeah. Yes, it's absolutely. And the mosquitoes. And, good and advice. Horses are yes. very much at risk. Very yes, good advice. Nice. Uh, the mosquitoes have been terrible because we've right. had yeah. so much rain. So very good advice. And turning over extra um, standing water and emptying it out right. is very good and keeping some sort of fly protection on your horses and mosquito protection at this time of year is key thank you dr clark have a wonderful weekend okay you're welcome yeah. Take care. thank you thank for joining you. us uh, very good advice and right. yes um, the vaccines um, for the uh, big concern right now the West Nile and right. the encephalitis and we've had some reported cases of encephalitis actually in just in the last couple of weeks so yeah. um, very very important to keep your vaccines up to date and uh, down south I did mine three times a year because we were so swampy but here I've been doing them twice and right that's that seems good, to mm -hmm. be that seems to be a good protocol, seems yeah. to be pretty effective but it is very very important and uh, you know keeping your horse very healthy if you have any questions you can call Peterson and Smith 352-237-6151 hi guys this is Louisa Barton I really hope you've enjoyed this edition of the horse talk show podcast connect with us on Facebook Twitter and YouTube and let me know what you thought now please go out there and share the podcast